0: everyone welcome to diverse conversations with ashka patel and today actually i'm very excited to introduce our guest Kristen watt she is an independent pharmacist owner uh practicing in ontario um she has been practicing as a pharmacist for the past 11 years um bringing in a tremendous experience as a pharmacist as well as an owner um Kristen, um has also found her um voice in advocacy and she um you know as she likes to say she found her wings in advocacy during the pandemic um you know uh, where her goal was to ensure that community pharmacy and community pharmacy professionals uh, were recognized as valuable contributors to the healthcare system in Ontario. Uh, and with that, Kristen, I would like to welcome you to the show and thank you so much for making the time to come on.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Asha. It's, a, it's great to be here. I'm so excited to, to be part of this and uh, and to be considered to be one of the contributors into your fantastic endeavor. I'm so happy for you that you're doing this.
0: Thank you so much, thank you. Um, and it, with that, actually, Kristen, um, I think it's always uh, a good idea. Um, you know, I always feel like you know we need to highlight pharmacists who are um, you know, breaking the norms and challenging the status quo. And if, um, I see you as one of those pharmacists, um, definitely with the tremendous amount of work that you have done in not only starting your business, but also you know incorporating pharmacy technicians in very um, unique scope of practices within community pharmacy setting, because that is something where I see a lot of work um, that we need to do. And I I think, um, you know, you are leading that cause uh, full on. And, and, you know, I commend you for that. And that was something that I did want to talk about, you know, as we go through this conversation. But before we jump into that, um, sure. I did want to, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, if you could share your journey, your professional journey, you know, um, as a pharmacist and what has the experience been like and, you know, some um, accomplishments um, that you'd like to share with the, with the audience.
1: Sure. Thank you. So I'm, I'm a U of T graduate and I started in uh, rural community pharmacy, the, actually the same pharmacy that I worked in through high school. So though I've been a pharmacist for 11 years, I've been in pharmacy for 21 years. Um, I still remember the, the glory days of lots of Premarin and Viox and things like that. So if you want to age me, that's how you can do that. Uh, so I started back at that same pharmacy, um, when I graduated. And then I moved on to being the um, manager for another rural pharmacy. Then I became an associate at a national chain. I think everybody knows what that means. Uh, and then I moved on again to get into more clinical practice at a uh, long-term care pharmacy. And I love that. I, I really enjoyed it. However, I'm very geographically limited. I don't wanna move, um, which creates uh, my own self-created feeling of, of um, opportunity. So what I decided to do was meld my love of ownership or business With the clinical practice that I truly loved, with the long-term care, and opened my own pharmacy where I could do both. So I opened uh, Kristen's Pharmacy in March of 2017. It was a Greenfield store, um, one of only two in a small uh, rural town called Southampton, part of a bigger municipality, uh, Saguenay-Shores, which did have five other pharmacies, but we're in a smaller section of of the um, of the area. Uh, We have great physicians. We have amazing collaboration. There was a real need here for it. I did a ton of market research and they were very excited to have an independent pharmacy that was really nimble come to town. And we're undergoing our first renovation. So we've been open four and a half years and we're undergoing a renovation to a new concept um, as we speak. So you might hear some banging and things in the background, some drills and things that's happening right now. Of course, in the middle of COVID testing, Uh, COVID shots, possible flu shots. It's absolute chaos. Um, but I think that's a, it's a, it's a good marker for where the state of pharmacy in Ontario is right now.
0: For sure, um, and, and it's fantastic, I mean, um, to, you know, not only to just set up a business, but to set it up in a rural area and to find a niche um, and the customer base. I'm sure, like, you know, it has presented its own challenges um, for you in this past four and a half years as an owner. Um, you know, I guess and with that also the pandemic, and, you know, let's let's add on that pandemic because that has been a whole different, it built this curveball that nobody anticipated. Um, you know, as an owner, as a pharmacist um, during the pandemic, you know, what were some of the challenges? Uh, that you experienced um, that you know in hindsight like that we can learn from so that in the future something we can mitigate?
1: Sure so um, one of the first challenges we faced was the 30-day fill Uh, that happened and it made complete sense I mean there was a ton of panic buying toilet paper was a a great marker for that so there was panic buying of medication people calling I need six months of my medication like no you don't it's going to be okay but I understand the panic we went to those 30-day fills but then there was the question of how are those were going to be paid for. And initially it was just going through to the patient, but then there was some advocacy done by the patients, rightly so. Um, and then it came down on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. And I'm not joking. And you know this, it was, it was absolutely insane that um, pharmacies uh, would be bearing the cost of dispensing the third fill. Mm. And as an owner, that meant I was paying to fill medication for patients, not being paid. There was an entire cost. And that just didn't sit right with me, not with what we had done. Um, this, So this happened, um, it would probably have been April or May. So we were into the pandemic for a couple months. Pharmacies were the only places that were open. Uh, we were doing triage to try and um, because people were so worried about going to emerge. So we were already doing all of these things for the community. And then to hear from the provincial government, because that's where the um, the suggestion came from that you know we think that you should bear this cost and it, w- it was stunning for us yeah. um and we mobilized and I say we because all, there was a, a number of us but we mobilized a grassroots uh, letter writing campaign in the 24-hour comment period that we had and that was a big challenge um but it created for me an opportunity to meet so many people in this business and the friendships that I've developed from them uh, stick around today. Many of these people I've never met in person, but I talk to them on nearly a daily basis on a variety of different things. So that challenge that was presented to us, um, by the government, by the the funding constraints, which I which I understand, um, but we we were able to spin it into a, a positive thing uh, in in community pharmacy, and I think we've taken that and we've understood how advocacy works and understood how we can use our voices better, and it allowed us to have a bigger platform for things that came afterwards that were additional challenges like flu shot season, like COVID shots, etc.
0: For sure, for sure. And I agree. Like, you know, um, I think if anything our profession has gained out of this pandemic, and I think it's a critical milestone that we have gained is this ability to express our views and opinions, um, on, you know, how we contribute and how we would like to contribute to the profession, uh, moving forward. And, you know, I commend you for the incredible work that you did with that. Uh, cause obviously it was not a fair, you know, position that pharmacists were put in or owners um, also put in because it was not something that we were choosing to do but we were kind of forced to do. And I I just don't... I mean, we are all here to contribute and help our patients out, but at the same time it needs to be in a fair manner. Um, and I think reimbursement has always been a critical component of you know, how we navigate our advocacy efforts. Um, and I think a well-known challenge uh, with uh, reimbursement is just even like you know, how our pay rates are um, you know, going down and declining and um, you know, how we're navigating um, pharmacists' pay rates and all of that. As an owner, what are your thoughts on that and how do you navigate this challenge with your staff?
1: That's a great question. I graduated in 2010. So the year that the pay took a nosedive. In fact, I lost my internship. Well, to be fair, it wasn't lost. It was um, noted that it would be significantly pay cut that I couldn't afford because I had all this massive student debt and coming out expecting a certain rate of remuneration. So uh, as an owner, I, um, I think it's important to acknowledge the value of your staff. I'm also in a rural area, so I don't have the downward pressures of the GTA. However, I continue to advocate to new grads who do face that. Don't take those jobs that pay that you. You don't want to work for an owner that puts that level of value on you. Um, so I like to think, and I'm the only one in the room, so my my staff can't corroborate this. I like to think that I pay fairly um, to everybody and not just my pharmacist. I also take into account a living wage. So if you um, follow the United Way in your area, You can look up what a living wage is for a full-time worker in your area, and none of my employees make less than the living wage in our region, because I think it's important that people should be able to live off one job, and then they that also generates that loyalty. Every owner listening, excuse me, and every owner that's out there knows that staff retention is cheaper than hiring and training. It doesn't matter what that cost is to those staff in that moment, it will be cheaper to you than hiring and retraining because you will have continued engagement, you will have customer and patient loyalty and those things really matter and they'll drive additional business into your store. So um, I hope that my staff feel that they are compensated well enough, and there's more to compensation than just their pay. It's the feeling of being able to contribute to the business, that their ideas are listened to, that they have a say in what's happening, Tim um, Hortons regularly, gift cards, Christmas parties. All of those things matter to a, to a work environment. When we're doing our renovation that's happening right now, um, my staff uh, all have a station essentially that the filler has a role, the blister pack has a role, the technician has a role. I'm having them give me their input into what their station design looks like. I don't work behind that counter. It should work for them. And and I think that's really important so they feel that they are truly a valued member of our team.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, you hit a few points there, like, you know, negotiation. I cannot emphasize this enough that, you know, it needs to be a fair negotiation for both parties. And um, I think anyone entering the marketplace uh, needs to know what a fair value is, as you mentioned. Uh, But at the same time, the work-life balance and the work culture also plays a huge role, um, you know, in how we feel um, with our satisfaction, like overall satisfaction with with the work that we're doing. Because obviously, um, I think one of the key thing sometimes as healthcare providers is the apathy we rebuild for our own um you know gratification because we are more like okay no I am doing this for my patient and I'm going to continue doing that but I think we also need to feel that satisfaction within ourselves to know that you know we are contributing in a very active um, role. And if we are not feeling that, then definitely that kind of affects you know, how engaged we are um, as part of a team. Um, with that said, um, you know, as an owner during the pandemic, you were navigating quite a bit. Um, you know, what are some resources that you wish you had um, and you know, moving forward uh, that sh- you know, might have helped you and your team as you navigated it? Nav- navigated the pandemic, sorry.
1: To be fair, when I um, look at resource availability, everything's generally out there. It's a matter of access. Um, And I don't mean that I can't Google it. It's, is it all in one place? Mm -hmm. Uh, OPA is great for that. So we get toolkits that have a number of things there, Um, but they continue to be at the mercy of the province as well. Um, so so continued advocacy by OPA, which can only happen with additional members in OPA, um, would help us maybe get a leg up. Maybe we know the day before an announcement is coming so we can be prepared. I knew kind of that it was coming, that I was going to be getting COVID shots. Mm-hmm. And I was the first pharmacy in my entire county. Wow. We had 700 phone calls that day. 700. Two days later, I had an auto attendant on my phone. Had I had a little bit more heads up, and this is not on OPA again, this is uh, on their ability to advocate and continue to ask this of the province, um, that maybe we give the professionals who are going to be implementing the plans a heads up. If you look at the vaccine passport as a good example, I, I'm going out for lunch today for the first time indoor dining in, in forever. I'm very excited. I have my vaccine passport printed off. The uh, people who work at the restaurant, they knew weeks ago that they would have to ask for that today. Mm -hmm. They had time to look and prepare, et cetera. Uh, Unfortunately, we're getting a lot of public health by press conference. So it's not happening as quick as we would like on the front lines. We have to uh, take in the information, figure it all out, how it's going to work in our pharmacy, and then disseminate it. And it's literally happening in real time, that press conference, the pickup phone. So I, I think we have a ton of resources in the province. I think OPA is fantastic for it. I'm a member of a, a banner. They're fantastic for for that information. The the There's an owner's Facebook group. There's a community pharmacy Facebook group. All of those things are fantastic resources. You just kind of have to know where to look. Right. Um, so I don't think there's a lack of resources. It would be nice for it to be more consolidated or or as much as it can. But if the province could give us additional resources, even as a heads up, that would probably be the number one thing I would look for after this.
0: I agree. I agree, and you 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 hit it right where it hurts because I, I I think we have all been kind of witness to that where you know we have been given sometimes less than twenty four hours and you know some pharmacies pharmacies were getting rolled into COVID testing and like you know we're finding out the day of that they were like you know op- being um acknowledged as a site where people can go for testing mm-hmm. um obviously does not give you enough time especially if it's a brand new service you're implementing in your pharmacy it does not just in, give you enough time to even answer those questions and provide a realistic answer um, to your patient. Um, and I, th- I think with that also, um, and you know, with the, I think you've also created a group on Facebook for independent um, pharmacy owners. Would you, could you talk a bit about that?
1: Sure. I created that group um, uh, on a flight to a conference in response to the pan-Canadian pricing change drop. Um, because I felt, so I guess that's it, That's probably when my advocacy started. Um, because I felt like we needed to talk to each other about how we were messaging this, what we were doing with the cost of our stock, having our inventory shrink in value overnight. Um, that's really hard. We're, I mean, especially for ind- uh, independent pharmacy owners, we, this is our pocket. This is our bank account. This is my mortgage. These are, you know, like there's a real person behind it. It's not a conglomerate. It's not a, a group of shareholders and, and full disclosure, I do okay. But I invest a lot back into the business, back into my staff, as we've talked about, back into my patients, et cetera. So having a group um, out there to talk about these things has been great. Because we can commiserate with each other. Um, I don't think any of us are in direct competition. Even if we are, we're talking to each other because this is really about healthcare, uh, and about patient autonomy to go where they need to, to get consistent care. Um, the, the, the questions that are on there are fantastic. The people that we support are amazing and it's been a lifeline for me. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see the number of people that are on there.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And I would encourage any other pharmacist owners who are in a similar boat um, to reach out to Kristen to see how they can join this group because I'm sure the the bigger the network, the more uh, supported everyone feels, right? Um, And I guess as we're talking about advocacy, um, we cannot uh, forget the important point of um, the conversation which was how passionately you've advocated for pharmacy technician involvement into community pharmacy setting and you are leading by example. And I'm very happy to see that uh, because we do not have many such examples examples um out there what motivated you to do that
1: so we started we started in 2017 in March by September I was busy I was the driver I was the bookkeeper I was everything I had an assistant and she's fantastic um and then I had a technician come in and apply and previously I didn't always understand the value of technicians. I mean, in long-term care, it made sense. They got to do tech check tech and check the um, strips, et cetera. But in community pharmacy, I wasn't sure where they fit in because the pharmacist is at the end, we check the bottle, we check the clinical and off it goes. And then we had this idea here that maybe the pharmacist could be at entry and with the pharmacist at entry then i'd have to bounce back and forth i'd have to go check it i'd have to enter it so uh the technician applied and she's very proficient at checking the technical aspects of her, of a prescription so we went back to our software vendor and we changed our flow we're paperless so now we have data entry clinical check uh filling and then technical verification so the tech is the actual last check and this is really hard for a lot of pharmacists to wrap their heads around they're like i don't see the bottle i never see the bottle Nope, you never see the vial. You never see the bottle. You're not handling the meds. That's not what we are trained to do. Ask yourself in pharmacy school, how many bottles of medication did you check? I think it happened like two times.
0: Right. So yeah. yeah. We checked a
1: couple of dins. That was it. Exactly. So this is a huge shift in mentality for um for pharmacy. Now we have a we have a ton of blister pack patients. It makes sense to have a technician there. Um technicians can do so many things that pharmacists have been doing to allow pharmacists to do what they should be doing. Yes. And I think that's really, really important. They also have that level of education that requires some critical thinking, um, some planning, some logistics, all of those things that are gonna be very helpful to you as a business owner um, in the uh, expediting of all your processes. Now, what we've done and what's happening now for construction Is we're actually moving our pharmacist completely out of the dispensary so we did data entry for a while but data entry is its own beast with a ton of um plan issues etc it actually would be perfect for another technician uh so i'm always looking um (laughs) so i'll put that out there i'm always looking um so what we plan to do is move the pharmacist into an office because that data entry piece can happen, the adjudication piece can happen, then it goes to clinical verification in the pharmacist's queue. They can sit in the office, do the clinical verification, and in between those prescriptions, they can do med checks. The patients can come in for counseling because the pharmacist's office is right next to the pickup. So patient comes in, picks up their medication, then goes right into the pharmacist's office, sits down. How nice would it be to counsel with an entire profile, some lexicon, some up-to-date, some everything right in front of you? It sure makes it a lot easier to counsel. So that's our new premise, which leaves on the floor assistants and technicians only. Technicians are so, so valuable. I cannot say enough about how it's allowed us to do all of what we do within our pharmacy.
0: I agree and wow uh, I'm I'm just impressed with the vision you have and um, you know I I really do uh, believe that the model that you're going towards is going to be a short shot success because I think it sets up everyone to you know practice at their fullest potential um, right Uh, because obviously with pharmacists we do want to you know practice on the professional skills and the services that we've been trained to do so at the same time we do need the support of pharmacy technicians and you know what they do come with some great education as you mentioned and some great experience that, you know, I definitely, like, you know, all the encounters that I have had with them so far have been fantastic. And I also, just like you, advocate that we you know we need to be more active in incorporating them um, successfully into community pharmacy settings because uh, they truly have a lot to offer. We are just not recognizing, you know, maybe it's it's a confusion of, you know, how do we best place them? And I think the model you showed is just one of those examples of, you know, how we can successfully do so. Um, with that said, uh, were your technicians involved with the COVID immunization? are the vaccinations
1: um, at your site? So at the beginning of COVID I had three technicians. I lost one to the holy grail of hospital Uh, (laughs) and I don't blame them I get it. I lost one to a move so I had one left and because she is my prescription checker I could not have her do. Uh, COVID shots. If I had two or three techs, I absolutely would have, but I, I had more pharmacists than I had techs. If I'd use pharmacists. I also hired nurses, which is fantastic. My, um, my tech is trained. To do them, but, uh, it would have required us to backfill with a pharmacist. Like, and, and finding techs is such a challenge. And I think that as a group of pharmacists with OPA advocacy, with CPHA advocacy, we need to be looking, um, earlier. We need to go to high schools. We need to go to pre-health courses at college for people who don't know what they want to do. These are great jobs. They, they pay well. You have a great scope of practice. Um, my, my pharmacy tech is our quarterback because Um, My pharmacist, we all, we work a full days during the week, but nobody works five days in a row like my technician does. So she knows when Mr. Smith comes in that on Tuesday, this happened on Wednesday, we got the LU on Thursday, we changed his blister pack and now he's picking it up on Friday, right? Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it can be a challenge to incorporate, but it's something that we we really need to do and we need to recruit more into the profession
0: for sure for sure and I think we also need to highlight examples such as your practice to kind of show you know what a successful role of a pharmacy technician looks like in a community setting where you know we're utilizing them to their fullest potential because oftentimes from the conversation that I've, I've had with technicians let's say in other settings it's it's the one is a remuneration and two it's the ability to practice in the, school, the fullest scope of practice right just because sometimes they just don't know whether they're going to be working in as a assistant with the title of a technician and you know what that means right and and that would be unjust for them like to ask a licensed member of our college to be you know doing um a pharmacy assistant job is just not fair um i and i would completely agree with that Mm -hmm. um and you know what you um i guess um as i am wrapping up this conversation um i would like to also you know get some insights from you because you you are one of those um you know pharmacists that i see as someone who's innovative you know ahead of the times um as i would like to um say, because, you know, with your practice and the vision you carry for pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, um, you know, how can we promote such innovation within community pharmacy um, settings? Um, And, you know, any resources you would like to highlight that were helpful to you as you were um, coming up with your business?
1: Change is hard. Change is really hard. It's so easy to get into a flow and say, you know what, this is it. I think it's important to step back as an owner, as a manager, as a professional and say, but what would make it better? What do I want? What stressed me out today and how could that be improved upon? Mm-hmm. I'm constantly looking. Uh, I, I tell people that I'm lazy. That's truly my motivator. I want to walk as few steps as possible in my given day. And, and, and my husband and I track each other on our steps. So I try actually to walk a few more. But I want my staff to walk as few steps as possible because each one of those steps costs me money. And if I can save each one of those steps, so I'm always stepping back and looking at what does the flow look like? Uh, what, Where can we save precious seconds that will add up to minutes that will de-stress my staff, that will de-stress me, um, that will result in in a better day and a better care for our patients because that's truly the end goal, right? Like if I have more time, I can prefer, provide more care. I'm following up with a patient today that uh, I haven't been able to connect with in three weeks because it's been so crazy. So in terms of resources, it's truly discussions with other owners, looking at their stores. What have they done? I And I go to every conference that I can or could have prior to um, and, and try to go to the owner's initiatives or the pharmacy flow talks. Therapeutics is great and I love it. And uh, so I'll, I'll take in a couple of those. But I also want to focus on the business of pharmacy, the business of providing care. Uh, so I take those away one of the big things the last five years has been the appointment-based model. Mm -hmm. And I looked and I looked and I couldn't wrap my head around how to do that. We've done so much med sync and we all know how terribly compliant patients are. So I could spend my whole life counting those pills and trying to sync up their meds to do that appointment-based model. And I just felt it wasn't for me, but I felt that The pharmacist sitting with the patient now, wait, that has something. So I pulled from someone who's smarter than me, I pulled from that model. I pulled from another person who's smarter than me and I put their models together essentially to create this. So it's really conversations with others in our profession and to our detriment, this pandemic has really decreased those opportunity for interaction so when this is over, I hope everybody gets back out there and goes to the OPA conference and goes to Pharmacy U and and reads Pharmacy Practice Plus Business Magazine and all of those places where we can get insight from really smart people because there's not one website that says, "Hey, you own a pharmacy, try this." Uh, it doesn't exist. We we are writing the script. These are our businesses. We are the entrepreneurs. We are the innovators. We are the pharmacists, and it's up to us to figure out what works and what's going to work here is not necessarily going to work at someone else's. But if they pull even one thing, someone said to me the other day, if I had have just renovated a few months later, I would have had two counseling rooms, not just one. Those little things are what's going to help you innovate.
0: Exactly, for sure. And I think those open conversations are critical, um, you know, as we navigate our future, um, you know, as a profession, because uh, we do want to be open about, you know, what not only our challenges, but also our successes. Um, and as you rightly said, like, you know, just making sure that you're reaching out to the people just to have a conversation and, you know, providing your um, your honest opinions sometimes if, um, you know, whatever needed, because that's really what will get us to that next phase of our, our profession as, as we prepare for the post-pandemic world, hopefully very soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and with that said, uh, what would be, uh, what you know, how would you describe the future of pharmacy? Let's say in the next five years.
1: So I'm in Ontario, and I really hope that we get our minor ailments. Mm-hmm. I hope we get more. I hope we get autonomous prescribing. That's truly what I'm setting uh, myself, my staff, my store up for. Is um, when we say appointment-based model. We don't mean med sync. What we mean is patients coming in to see us. I have a, a med review book for the patient because a physician uh, sent me a referral saying I need help getting their diabetes under control. I, this is a fantastic family physician who understands the value of using the pharmacist time uh, and billing ability to do that. So the, the future of pharmacy is that really high high-level collaboration uh, for better outcomes for patient care. And I think that there is so much savings to be had in the healthcare system by investing in the pharmacist's ability to adapt, prescribe, and contribute to those teams. So I look forward to that part of my career, if I can stick out the end of the pandemic and not call it quits. I've considered it, but I've done a lot of things to try and bring back the joy in pharmacy and using my technicians and, and renovating is going to be a big part of that.
0: Oh, and we need you, Kristen. We cannot let you go. So you got to stay for us. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> not a problem. No, and trust me, like I, I think it has been an absolute honor of mine to have, um, you know, met you online, I and mean, we, we have we never met in person yet. Um, and I'm hoping that you know very soon we'll get that opportunity as well. But it, like you know, I have been very inspired by the work, not only the work that you do as a pharmacist and owner, but I, I really like you know the passion, um, yeah, that you bring to this profession. Um, I think we need, uh more of that. Um, you know, do more of those open conversations, and you have been one of those uh, members of our profession. That I see as you know somebody who's out there honestly is talking about you know what our real ch- um, struggles and challenges are, and, and you know I commend you for that because it's never easy, um, but you are doing the hard work for all of us if I can say that.
1: <laughs> Thank you thank you i think it's important to stay positive i chose this profession i didn't i this was the only application that i made once i was in university this is what i truly wanted to be i i try to emulate the pharmacist that i worked with through high school i think that there's so much good we can affect there's so much change that we can we can bring in and i think that um, people are recognizing especially with the pandemic i mean if we were going to look at the positives of the pandemic that the, the value in community pharmacy. So many people. We were open. We answered the phones. We were always there. And, and we always will be. So it's a matter of making sure that we continue to project that positive image of what we're capable of doing and continue to affect that change.
0: Agreed, agreed. Um, and with that, I would like to wrap up this conversation. Um, and, you know, thank you so much for your time, because it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you here. And like, you know, the the ideas that you have spoken of and what you're doing with your current business, I, I'm, I'm certain that this is going to serve as an inspiration to many others to, you know, reach out to you um, and, you know, discuss this further and hopefully implement and replicate some something similar in their practices and, you know, create a, a, future of pharmacy, which is more collaborative um, with not just pharmacists, pharmacy professionals, but also with other healthcare providers. Um, So thank you so much for leading the cause on that.
1: Thank you, Asha. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm not even sure if it will work out, but I'm really hopeful. And uh, I'll continue to learn from those others out there who are sharing their visions as well, because there's so many people like yourself in creating this podcast that uh, continue to share the vision of the future of pharmacy.
0: Thank you so much and with that we're going to call it the end of the show um thank you again Kristen. um it's oh, a pleasure you. to have you